This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You did that wrong. And I am Jamie Jennings, coming to you from my brand new studio. (laughs) Yay, I live in, I'm not commuting to work. The tiny home is no more. I am sitting here at my new desk, looking out my window at the property. It's so wonderful. I'm happy to be here. Did you hear how happy I said Norman, yeah, Oklahoma? I know. And you do sound, it sounds fine. Sounds good. Does it sound okay? I feel yeah. like I'm in a big echoey room and you may hear Lucas and Chad a little bit more, but I don't care. I'm here. Uh, you're, you're listening <laughs> Congratulations. to the in the morning. Thank you. On the Horse Radio Network for May 6th, episode 2428, brought to you by State Line Tech. For those keeping track, that meant that I was in that house for six, 12, 18, 19 months. That's right. And now I'm here. Brought to you by Stateline Tech. Good morning, Horse World. Hey, you made it to Wednesday. Only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun. Lucky for you, you have Jamie and Glenn to get you through on Horses in the Morning. Well, we do have a packed show today. Uh, we're going to meet two more listeners as part of Listener Appreciation Week. We have Rebecca Hodgetts and Juliana Mize coming on with us today. Plus, the Horse Health segment brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast as we talk gene mapping with Dr. Samantha Brooks. And our Black Rain Spotlight Rider falls on 14-year-old eventer Ariana Lawson. And you're going to love her. She rides a Mustang in events. She, she seems very impressive. I'm excited to meet her. Yeah, she is an overachiever, to say the least, at the age of 14. Uh, Listen in today. We think you're going to like everything that we have for you. Before we get to our daily winnies, we just wanted to give our thoughts to one of our longtime listeners, TJ. Uh, Our thoughts are with you. She lost one of her minis or her mini uh, uh, in the last couple of days. And uh, we're thinking about you. I know she used to post a lot of pictures of her mini. So we love you, TJ. And it's time for some Daily Winnies. Well, my Daily Winnie. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> my Daily Winnie is birthdays to Colleen Peachy Lap and Lindsay Culligan. Happy birthday to both of you. Colleen's been listening for... Like I think since you we started, literally this show. still pronounce her name wrong. I know that's how I say Colleen. That's how I say it. Colleen, <laughs> I'm gonna Sorry, stick Colleen. with. I'm gonna stick with it forever. That's I'm, I'm I'm holding to it. I think you all are saying it wrong. <laughs> she says her own name wrong. That's weird. <laughs> all right, daily when he goes to a guy named Charles E. Fipke. Okay, Charles Fipke is. Uh, Chuck Fipke is 74 and he's a Canadian geologist and prospector who discovered the existence of diamonds around Canada's Northwest Territories. Well, guess what he does? He has racehorses. (laughs) When you discover diamonds, you can then own racehorses. So he's been involved with the thoroughbred industry for more than 40 years. Okay. 
what he's decided to do right now, he owns um, four, five, six stallions, that, a couple that stand at Darby Dan, B Jersey, Tale of Ecti, Tale of Verve, and uh, also Forever de Oro at Hidden Springs in Indiana, Jersey Town in California, and Dyna- Danish Dynaformer and Perfect Timber and Stand in Canada. So that's a whole bunch of stallions. Um, he's... He says that none of my stallions stand for more than $5,000. So they're primarily supported by small breeders. I own my stallions outright. I don't have shareholders' responsibilities. So guess what? He is waiving all stud fees the entire year because of the pandemic to help small breeders out huh. so they can still have free. Isn't that great? <laughs> Well, that is cool. You don't hear about that very often. <laughs> He's like, man, they don't get I, all of mine are s- supported by small breeders, and you know, I own diamonds. He didn't say that. <laughs> I said that. Um, <laughs> but just really, really cool. A diamond I, mine thing kind of helps him do this. Yeah. 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 You know what, though? He could have had diamonds and not done this. So he had diamonds and he did it. So bless his heart. Char- Chuck Fipke, 74. We give you our daily winnie for giving out those stud fees to help the smaller breeders. Terrific. Makes me want to breed to Tail Vectai because I loved him. Well, there you go. Are, are you going to breed again? Gotti. No, God, no. <laughs> I'm not, especially not sending up. First of all, I don't have a third red mare. Second, I can't send it to Kentucky to stand at Darby Dan Farm. No, none of that. I think it's like Toddy. Sorry. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to give a little shout out for him because that's pretty cool. Terrific. Well, on tonight's uh, HRN Live at 5, I'm going to have Craf- uh, Craig Huffines on. He's Executive Vice President of the American Quarter Horse Association. He's one of the big bosses there. And he's going to share his thoughts on the rest of the year for quarter horse shows and events. As we all know, the American Quarter Horse Association is the largest breed association in the world. Actually, I think it's the largest association, period, in the horse world. Uh, so he's coming on tonight at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Horse Radio Network or the Horses in the morning Facebook page. You'll find the video there. We're hearing a lot more, Jamie. Uh, the USEF came out the other day with kind of what their guidelines are going to be going forward. They're looking at allowing shows after June the 1st. So we're hearing a lot more from all the different places about what they're going to do to open up and how they're going to do it uh, and how they're going to allow horse shows. The USEF is pretty much what we talked about. They're going to have... They're going to make... This is something that I think they were going for anyway over the next couple of years. This is just pushing it is all your entries will be done online. Everything will be done by the time you get to the horse show. You won't even need to see the secretary. They'll have packets there. You'll just pick up your packet and that's it. You're gone. You don't pay anything. Your paperwork will all be done online ahead of time. You'll pay online. You don't pay anything there. So that it's going to streamline that process. They are recommending that uh, horse show organizers temperature check everybody which is interesting. Um, and you'll only have... Be- now, please do not use the same thermometer you use on your horse. <laughs> I know. I think they're required to have the forehead um, ones. Okay, everybody, stand <laughs> Bend in over. line. We're going to have a temperature check. Bend over. Oh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> only you would think of that. Uh, so, so Not uh, true. There is at least one other person who thought of that one when you said I saw Jennifer was are, temperature checking uh, Nigel a lot last week. So I saw that activity happening a lot last week. Um, so yeah, and the other thing that's going to be interesting for people that are going to shows is you're allowed to have three people, you, your groom, and one family member. And they said, well, what about kids? They said, well, that's your one family member. So if you bring one of your children, that's all you're allowed to have. God, I would love to go to a horse show and have a groom. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's all I can think of. I was like, well, where do I get one of those? Yeah. <laughs> You'd gladly leave your, leave your child at home to have a groom. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, let, let me get this straight. You're going to provide a groom for me? Awesome. <laughs> Uh, they're also talking about uh, they're going to have social distancing rules. They're going to really regulate how many people are in rings at a time. They're going to have to, this is interesting, so they're going to have to clean, they're going to have somebody in charge of cleaning jump cups as people move them up and down in in the jumping jump rings. So, you know, <laughs> it's just going to be, the cleaning, they're going to, oh, this is the part I loved. They said they're going to have to have cleaning attendants for the bathroom. So I, I was like, well, that'll be the first time in show history that anybody's ever cleaned the bathroom. I'm sorry. Are you going to stand outside my stall and clean it after I pee in my horse's stall? Because that's where I pee at a horse show. Have you ever? I mean, they're all porta potties usually, and they're not clean. That is for certain. Uh, but they're going to also be required to have the hand washing stations, the portable ones that you see outside of good porta potty sections. Sometimes uh, they're going to be required to have those hand sanitizing stations everywhere. So they're looking at opening up and and looking at making it happen. I think there'll be, and they did talk about this. There'll be less. Show, uh, people showing at a horse show because to time it and to do all of that, you can't have throngs of people. Uh, so I, I do think they're probably going to have less entries anyway this year. But that's how they're. It's all lining up. I'm interested to see what the Quarter Horse Association says because they run a multitude of different shows. I mean, they have English Western every kind of show. So they have a they have a bigger uh, pack to deal with over there. So Craig will be coming up at five o'clock, but it looks I mean, like this is like going to change things forever. It is. Well, until a, a viable vaccine anyway. Uh, but you're right. It is going to change things. Uh, you know, it's going to change things for the near future anyway. Uh, but, you know, those people that are dying to show, you're going to have an opportunity to do that. Although I think there'll be less shows to choose from. I just want my horse to be able to travel somewhere. We're not ready to show. We just need to, like, get out and do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we fortunately, as of Monday, they opened up the parks here. So Jennifer and I get to go, you know, the uh, the island I always talk about, we go drive and ride on. And we're going to be able to do that uh, this weekend. We get to go out for the first time. And and we better go soon because the weather's going to change here really quick and we won't be going yeah, anywhere. You're about to, it's about to get ugly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, by the way, uh, they're also calling for the worst hurricane season we've had in generations. Now, I feel like they say that every year. Just you know a, what, though? I mean, it's just been one thing after another with 2020. <laughs> Can we just reset it? Like, we stop and, like, just skip to 2021? Because, you know, like, did you see the hail that I had? I know. You had, day? like, two-inch hail. It was It was at least – there was some baseball, mostly golf ball-sized hail that came down and cracked the windshield of my truck. Um, it – when you know you have, you have oh, on the did? top of your trailer, it did crack yeah, it. oh yeah. yeah, it turned out that. And then I opened the trailer door, and you know you have that like bubble yeah, top yeah. that you can kind of wind up and down. That was on the floor along with a puddle of water and a half of a baseball Jeez. that was sitting there melting away. So I mean, it was insane. I've never and the sun was shining and it was like ninety two degrees, and they're like, yeah, that's when the hot air meets cold air, and it goes up and it, I'm like, I don't care. I just. Tell me to take cover. But we put on helmets. I had, I was in the barn and I had to run to the truck to get the truck out of there. And I was like, "What do I do?" I put on my riding helmet. <laughs> like, yeah, those would hurt if they hit you, wouldn't they? <laughs> yes. Imagine. I mean, a, a a golf ball falling from like ten thousand feet. And they're yeah. not all smooth, are they? They're kind of jagged. No. Some of them. 
Yeah. No, there was lots of lots of no snowflake was the same. <laughs> <laughs> and then our poor, poor listeners in Tennessee, oh my God, they got clobbered with that storm, and then clobbered the night after. Lisa Wysocki still out without power, I think. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so yeah, it's crazy. This year sucks. Let's start over. I love the. We got to call our first guest, but I love the Back to the Future meme that said, uh, "Let's not go to 2020." <laughs> 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 Let's skip that year. All right. State Line Tack is our sponsor today, and they're getting ready for the warm weather with a sale of 20% off of blankets and sheets and all different kinds of companies from Weatherbeda. Uh, and it just goes, uh, well, and Weatherbeda especially, they have 20% off, which you don't usually see a lot of uh, discount on Weatherbeda products. So they have 21 blankets and sheets that are made for summertime that are on sale right now, anywhere starting from $50 on up to $120. So head on over to Stateline Tech to take a look at that. We've got to stop with Stateline on Wednesdays. I spent five... No, you I didn't. Spent five dollars. Wow. Five dollars. I spent five dollars. I got all my vaccines. I got all my fly stuff for the entire year because if you remember that whole like if you are shopping for the first time there's a promo code for 30% off. Oh, did it work? Yes, it worked, but not everything was 30% off. So like the fly spray, I didn't get any discount on, but I was like, it's cause it's like, yeah. Cause they make like straight from two the cents a bottle on those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, but I mean, oh my gosh, I got 30% of so much stuff. And I was like, let's just add that. I've always wanted one of those. I'll add that. So it hasn't come yet. <laughs> the vaccines came. Um, Do you but, have them yeah. deliver the boxes to the barn now? So Chad doesn't see. Oh God, I'm a nervous wreck. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> They also have a giveaway going on at State Line Tech right now, like they always do, that you can register to win. And it's an Arena Heart all-purpose saddle. It uh, It is a $1,400 value. So if you're needing a new saddle, head on over there. If you don't buy anything at State Line Tech, register for the saddle. It's quick and easy to register. Uh, they have all kinds of fly masks. They also have face masks for people on sale. Big surprise. Nope, everybody has that now. Uh, so they have face masks for people as well. They uh, and I, I just got my first face mask by the way because i went to costco oh did you and they give them out oh they hand them out in. oh i oh, was yeah. wondering if they were going to do that yeah. well there you go now you're official I, w- I want a picture of you in your cute little face mask all right everybody that's statelinetac.com and now we continue listener appreciation week and we're going to our first guest listener today and that's rebecca hodgetts she's an auditor let's get her on here and I think I'm not sure. I think Rebecca's from Colorado. We're going to find out. Well, she works with the Colorado Avalanche Department, so <laughs> probably lives in Colorado. Or she does it remotely from home and she like lives in Maine. That would be way smarter. <laughs> <laughs> she, she lives in Florida where it's warm. <laughs> I want to know does she have to go up there and put sticks in the side of the snow on the side of the mountain? Hey, good morning. Good morning, Rebecca. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. So we were just talking about how you're, uh, you work for the Colorado Am- Avalanche Information Center. Does that mean you get to go yeah. out and jump on the snow to see if it, go- if it falls down the hill, or what do you do? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we do. So my responsibility is for the highways. So I kind of have a couple of highways that I take care of, and we go and look around at the snow, and then try and, I don't know, gauge when it's going to maybe get a little spicy, and then we go and use 
any kind of explosive device and get it. Oh my down. god! Do you get to blow up the mountain? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> See, when it said you work at the information center, I thought, you know, people call. Is there going to be an avalanche? Hello, this is Rebecca. And it's like, hi, is there going to be an avalanche today? And you're like, no, not today. Maybe tomorrow. And you hang up on them. No, your job is way cooler than that. That would be pretty cool, too, though. The funny thing is, like, the the, the, the hockey team is the Colorado Avalanche. So we get a lot of calls and, like, comments about how poor the management is or how bad the players are playing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. What I just a, want to call yeah. and complain that they took out the starter in the second period last night, and I don't like it. You're like, wrong number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this job, though. How cool would it be to set dynamite and then watch the whole hill come down? That's pretty cool. I like that idea. That's really awesome. Actually, last week was the high, like my best week of the season. I look forward to it. We're working on opening the high mountain passes that are closed through the winter, so we get to do it out of a helicopter. It's oh. really fun. Oh, do they just tell the helicopter down and that forces the avalanche? The wind? No, we no. throw explosives out of them. Oh. <laughs> oh my God, you are the coolest. Pro- I'm coming to Colorado just to visit. I want to do that. <laughs> it's really cool. It's really cool. <laughs> what, what is one study in school to become an avalanche exploder? <laughs> Well, it's funny. I'm I'm pretty, I'm old school, so I I got into it through like uh, ski patrolling and skiing and things like that. But now it's kind of a real a real thing, and most people are coming in with like meteorology degrees. Or there's MSU Montana State has like a snow science program. But you I'm got in before all that crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, let there's me, no way I would have been smart enough to do it. Let's 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 <laughs> yeah. back up a little bit. You don't sound like you're from Colorado. Where are you from? I'm from New Zealand. New Zealand. Originally. What, what brought you to the US? I got kicked out of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Blew Did it have anything to do with explosives? <laughs> no, I like I was working there in the ski industry and I over my welcome i like screwed up my visa and then i needed a job for the winter <laughs> so i so i came down here and got a job at a ski area in colorado and yeah stayed here it's awesome <laughs> you didn't realize we're, we're we're seven minutes into our call and we haven't even asked about a horse yet do you have a I horse know. rebecca uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> tell us about your horsey life uh so yeah, I'm kind of a teeny bit of a cliche. I felt after listening to Mo- Monday's talk, I'm a little little inadequate, but I rode when I was a kid in New Zealand. And then, um, you know, I got to that age where I could afford a horse of my own. And so um, <laughs> so I got, of course, as you would, getting back into horses, I got a two-year-old Arabian. <laughs> um, we'll grow together. Was, yeah, right. We were going to grow up together. And, um, and the... Then I found out, so the gal like told me she'd help me train him, you know, and then as I drove away, <laughs> I should have been playing that horse trader song because I never saw her again. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm not really in a very horsey place. Like it's a, um, where I am here. So I'd moved from the mountains to like slightly less mountainous area with, with, a, new, with a new job in the center. And, um, and I was like, I can have a horse now, there's farmland, but it's not really very horsey area. So I really struggled. And to be honest, like I found out because I was like, what the hell do I do with this thing? And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I found the horse radio network and I like opened up a whole world to me. So you guys, it's your fault that I still have 
really. Oh, wow. Did it help, or, yeah. or are you just, is the horse out there and you haven't touched it since? No, I've been working. It helped a ton. It helped a ton. And I've had so much support. Um, like Mary Kitzmiller, you know, on her show, I've been listening to her and Jen forever. And, you know, I've even emailed her some questions, and she got back to me and really helped me out. And I've gone to a few clinics down. We're pretty far from the city. Well, we were like two and a half hours, three hours trailer ride. So I've gone to a few clinics down there, but, you know, I don't I had no idea what I was doing. So it, it wasn't awesome, but we've muddled through it. <laughs> and I still have them. I love how she says it's a two and a half, three hour trailer ride. Jennifer and I have vacationed a lot in Colorado, and I would not take my trailer on the roads you have to drive on, period. I know. It's pretty gnarly. (laughs) Jamie, you've driven on those roads. Oh, my God. They're narrow, and the drop-off's about 4,000 feet. And you know what is that (laughs) that you pass through so many places that have those big um, snow gauges on the side of the road and this girl rebecca actually knows what can happen while you're driving along yeah. i don't do it in the winter very often no i hope fun. not <laughs> what do you do i know too much what do you, you know too much <laughs> your horse at home in the winter and do you get a ton of snow where you're at or are you in the one of the little dry sections we get snow he is like i don't keep him at home i keep him down the road but he um we do get snow, but you can ride. You can find somewhere to ride most of the winter. Yeah, um, if you don't mind, you know, getting out a little bit. Yeah, it just depends on the winter a little bit. I was always. So how's your horse yeah. doing now? Yeah. I want to like, how old is it now, and how how's it going? So he's just coming six. He just turned six like two weeks ago, and he's doing pretty good. We I actually was trying to event him because. <laughs> Why wouldn't you event an Arabian? Like, that's what I wanted to do when I was a kid, but we could never afford it. And so I'm like, I'm going to event him. It doesn't matter that he's narrow, but like, it's not like I want to go to badminton or anything. And uh, and so, yeah, I was doing that with him last year, just elementary. And uh, But we, I had a fall at the end of the season, and I blew the, the – I broke my wrist really bad. So um, he had the winter off, and, you know, it was a really good thing, actually. And anyway, he came back in with – with a sticky stifle, like he was moving funny behind. So it's been a bit of a bit of a tumultuous six months, but it's actually been really good for us because I was, I'm quite competitive naturally. And so I started like getting on him with training, like we should be here. Like you go to the horse show and you see where everybody else is with their young horses. And I'm like watching YouTube videos, trying to work out how to get them to go forward. And, <laughs> but, uh, and so, but this time off in his rehab, like he's not, he's, he's going to be fine, but, um, has been really good for us because we just, chill and it doesn't matter and i can't really ride because my wrist is still pretty messed up and Was so that, we've just been hanging out together and, i like how you just yeah. go by things very quickly you just throw them in there these little things that interviewers like us pick up on like you burnt your wrist would that have anything to do with dynamite oh no no i didn't do it. Okay, it. So oh you broke he's it been, <laughs> like he's an awesome little guy but he was quite nervous of cross country like he was he's suspicious of jump shape like fish and jumping into water and things like that which is fairly reasonable I think and I didn't really know what I was doing so I was like taking them down to like the schooling area by myself you know instead of like now I know you try and find someone with an experienced horse and lead, you know blah 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 but anyway so I was just like come on buddy you can do it and um he was pretty good but we were getting his confidence up and so this the schooling show that we were at it was uh, the first time I'd done a clear round so I was super stoked and, the, and I was like, come on, let's go up for the finish line. Like we're in freaking like beauty or something. And 
we had to go over a land bridge and he spooked at the culvert and I went front. I went, kept going forward and he went the other way. Yeah. That'll break your wrist every time. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and you had already finished the course? Oh, jeez. Yes. Like we were like 50 feet from the finish flag. Oh, that sucks. I was such a that girl. Like I've been a that girl the whole way through this whole experience. Rebecca, I'm we, proud of you. Yeah. We, we have to have you back on. You're, you're too much fun. <laughs> I'm talking to you. All right. We have to ask you some rapid fire questions before we go to our next guest though. Okay. okay. Favorite food? Yep. Uh, salt and vinegar chips. What kind uh, of chips? Potato, what do you guys call them? Potato salt chips? Salt and vinegar. Oh, salt and vinegar uh, chips. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. What uh, did you call it? <laughs> Chips, but the, I can't remember if you guys call them chips, but I think you do. Yes. Crisps? I don't know. Yeah, you know chip, what I mean. yeah that's we call gotcha. them chips. That's right. <laughs> Least favorite okay. food? Good. Oh, any, like, meat, anything to do with meat. Oh. Yes, girl. <laughs> Soulmates here. Uh, what is... Your nice. soulmates. <laughs> if money was no object <laughs> and uh, the disease thing is over, where would you go on your first trip? Oh, my God. Did you see where Charlotte did go and went in Africa on that horse riding thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, it my God. We are soulmates. It was, <laughs> oh, I would do that in a heartbeat. But it's like $10,000 a day. But yeah, anyway, it's, it's not it's, cheap, the Africa riding trips. No. Uh, what's the most terrifying thing you've ever done, and would you do it again? And with you, I'm almost afraid to ask. I know. I was like <laughs> voluntarily. <laughs> Last week, I had a nearness experience, um, but... So I don't want to do that again. You don't want to know the details, but it was gnarly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't to do with horses. I was skiing. We were doing an, an investigation. I was skiing. We were in a really steep area, and I kicked a shoe. Like, I uh, not kicked a shoe, but uh, lost a ski. And it was going to be bad, and a tree stopped me. And Oh. Yeah, it was terrible don't ask do her that, that question and, she'll never be yeah. able to stop answering it i mean she's <laughs> exactly. probably done it'll, go forever. Yeah. it'll go forever How, do yeah. you have any insurance yeah. does anybody insure you you do the two most dangerous things you could do skiing and yeah. horseback riding yeah. nobody's gonna want you right exactly <laughs> more specifically eventing a two-year-old arabian <laughs> yeah. how about Three, this five. I, I know your answer <laughs> here too probably uh if you could do one superhero power what would it be I'd be flying. Yeah, see, I knew that was going to be your answer on that one. And your favorite yeah. thing about horses in the morning? Oh, my God, everything. It's, it did take me too long. You guys are awesome. <laughs> and you enabled my horse addiction. Like, I would have quit after the first six months. I'm not sure that good or bad. I was just going to say, is that good or bad? <laughs> so That's sure. great. I'm so glad. I'm sorry about your wrist, and I feel somewhat responsible, but I'm glad you're here, and I'm pretty sure you and I are soulmates, so uh, aside from that, like, you know, I've never, like, blown anything up, but it sounds really cool. <laughs> I want to throw explosives out of helicopters. That sounds like a blast. Super, super, super fun. I'll post your video on the Oh, do, 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 do Yeah, yeah, do that. I want to see you yeah. throwing explosives okay. out of helicopters. That would be make my day yeah uh, no problem <laughs> chad's going uh i didn't have to throw him out the window i used to, you know <laughs> yeah but chad also won't get in the helicopter <laughs> oh that's true <laughs> so yeah, that he knows too much does yeah. that make rebecca more badass than chad the fighter pilot no way let's not get crazy glenn <laughs> she, she's a badass yeah, let's not get... <laughs> thank yeah, you rebecca <laughs> appreciate it thank you guys have a great day all right <laughs> yeah we have the coolest listeners. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was a job. That's awesome. And and all it says is that she works at the Colorado Avalanche Information Center. Yeah. To me, it sounds like she answers this is the, the phone. phone. Yeah. 
Is it safe to ski on this Colorado mountain today? Yeah. <laughs> How may I direct your call? Um, yeah, I would like you to direct my call to the giant avalanche that you just exploded. Oh my God, she's so cool. And they got to fly all over the place, I guess, to make sure there's nobody downhill, right? You still you have to clear the area. It's amazing. That's a really cool job. Uh, we, we have the most interesting listeners. All right, today's horse health report is brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. The Horse Nutrition Podcast covers topics that you will love. It highlights the world's most extraordinary extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given. It's a part of Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain, that's F-U-L-L-R-E-I-N, to see all the videos and podcasts and everything over there. And that show is hosted by our own Lisa Wysocki, who you've all heard on this show before. So thank you to them for sponsoring the horse nutrition (coughs) segment that we do, the Horse Health Report, here on the show. Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Samantha Brooks, the assistant professor and founder of the University of Florida's Brooks Equine Genetics Lab, and you're in Gainesville, which is an absolutely beautiful place to be. Tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hi. Thanks for having me. So I, I have this unfortunate affliction that, that many of your listeners probably also are, are stricken with, which is this horse addiction, right? Uh as long as I can remember, I had an affinity for them. Maybe, it, you know, I was born in Lexington, and it's probably in the water there. Who knows? Oh, God, but yeah, you were born that way. <laughs> that's right. Can't help it. I say it's genetic. So, um, but yeah, I, you know, I've always been fascinated with horses. They just speak to me. And, you know, I it was in school, and, and typically when you, you have that, that horse thing and you need something to do, you, you tend to gravitate towards the veterinary route, and the science classes were the ones that I could, could pass reasonably well. Uh, <laughs> but I got lucky. <laughs> it certainly wasn't going to be English literature. That was, that was not going to be my career, right? But um, I did an undergraduate research experience, and it was fantastic. I got very, very lucky to land in one of the few uh, laboratories here uh, on the globe that do equine genetics work. And got exposed to that, and you know, it just clicked. It was really fantastic. And now, um, in our in our laboratory work, you know, you have to know the science. And the great thing is, DNA works just about the same, regardless of what critter you're working on. But you also you have to know the species that you're studying. And coming from horse country and a horse background, it makes a huge difference to be able to have that kind of an instinct and an understanding for. Uh, what we may be looking at it really um, is a fantastic mix of some passions that are almost unavoidable, I guess. <laughs> well, so what you guys did was you uh, identified and described over 17 million different genetic variations. And that, that means that basically, uh, what does that mean exactly? Oh, wow. Well, uh, the Horse Genome Workshop workshop is an international collaboration between many uh, research labs, and, you know, they really had some of the first big accomplishments in sequencing the horse genome. That, that was immense. You know, that meant that we had many of the same technologies that you have for human medicine. So we have all the fun toys to be able to go out and discover exciting things in the, in the horse. Um, and then that enabled some of the more recent discover, discoveries, including the, the panel of markers that you're describing. But 
having that whole genome sequence was, was just phenomenal. At, at the time in 2008, when that was published, it was estimated that the value of it was probably about $25 million, which wow. is amazing. Um, and, and, and then the, once you have that sequence, we can we can do individual horses now for two or three thousand dollars. And that's what I was wondering is so so w- what is the point of all of this? Why gene mapping and um, why w- what does it do? How does it help us? <laughs> well, you know the thing is with horses is um, this also won't be news to your listeners, but they're not inexpensive. You know <laughs> um, they're they're not they're not. They're not the, the plaything of the rich and famous that a lot of people certainly imagine, but, but they are um, an investment not only in money, but also in time and emotion. I mean, this is an animal that you could easily have with you for 30 to 40 years. So anytime we can work a little smarter to help to maintain the health and well-being of those horses, it saves us time, money, and emotional energy, right? Uh, so the fantastic thing about mapping genes and traits is that we can do things like uh, predict or avoid diseases when we're breeding horses. Uh, we can look for health conditions that can be altered through management. Maybe if we feed this horse a little differently from day one, it'll have a, a better, healthier life. And um, we can also, we're just getting to the point where we can start to breed four traits that we find valuable. That way we can get a horse who's going to be better suited to its job and hopefully not end up homeless or, you know, in an auction or, or ill-suited and, and, and having uh, life issues during training, those kind of things. So if I have it, a baby, if I have a baby thoroughbred, I can get it gene mapped and you're going to tell me if it's going to win the Kentucky Derby? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's a funny, it's a funny thing. I often get asked, um, you know, can't we just clone Secretariat or pick the fastest horse? But as it happens to be, the most valuable racehorses aren't always the fastest ones. But <laughs> it's a complex industry, <laughs> very, very complex. But, you know, what? when people ask me that question, I say, yeah, we can, you know, with enough work, we can tell you which one's fast. But that's not what's expensive to the, in- to the industry. What would be better is to tell you which one's going to potentially have a lameness problem and say, you know, that one. Send him to the to go have a different life being a, a ladies hunter or something because he's going to be more suitable there and less likely to collapse versus the nine other stakes uh, potential horses. <laughs> Fascinating. So, so how does this happen? Do you have to wait till you have the foal to then understand what it's predisposed to do, or can you do it in vitro? Like, how does that work? Tell me about my baby. <laughs> Well, you can you can do it at several stages. So traditional agriculture has been working on choosing breeding pairs since we started domesticating animals. This just lets you choose breeding pairs with a little more information. You know, we can't predict everything yet, especially since we really struggle to get research funding. But there's a lot of things that are like, you know what, it's so easy to do. Why not just go ahead and invest the, the relatively small cost in testing to do that? So you can do it at a stage where you choose breeding pairs. In some cases, you can ensure that the foal won't have something terrible like a lethal disease. And some places, you're going to be optimizing your probabilities and say, well, it's 75% if I go with this stallion, but maybe, you know, 45% if I go with that one. Then you still have to wait for Mother Nature, right? Because it's a roll of the dice which one of those genes gets given from the parent to the offspring. So we can't, we can't guarantee you get the foal you want. 
then at that point, there there are groups who are working on prenatal testing for the horse. You know, prenatal testing in humans is now the gold standard, and it's a little bit tougher in horses just because the way their placentas work, but we're working on optimizing that so that you could test a full in utero to see of those probabilities, which one do you actually get at fertilization? And then, of course, once the foal hits the ground, it's as simple as testing any other horse. Often can can be done with uh, just a, a little swatch of hair uh, pulled from a mane or tail. Wow! Wow! Amazing! That is just—I <laughs> mean, it's it's so big-brained um, <laughs> that I don't even know <laughs> where to go with that. So, so were there any any things in particular that really surprised y'all? Because you did look at a bunch of different horses. Now you've had thoroughbreds, Arabian, a Mangalaga Marchador, a miniature horse, a native Mongolian—is it Chikui? Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and you know, we really were excited about that one because we don't get the opportunity to examine many Native or, or Asian types of horse, and they may, in fact, have been a little bit closer to some of the early domesticated animals. So it was really important when we selected the horses to be able to do this work. We tried to capture that global diversity and some, some really diverse phenotypes. And so you also used a Percheron, I believe, and a Tennessee walking horse. And what really stood out to you in some of these? Like, what what, what were some of the surprises? Oh wow, some of the some of the surprises. Well, we could we we definitely could see. You know, we chose especially that Percheron, that miniature horse, because we had, had done some earlier work where we were looking at body size and growth is always a, a very important trait to horse folks, given that it can be related to some problems like developmental orthopedic um, yeah. diseases. So um, uh, in a, a paper we actually published earlier on, we identified a new region that was particularly uh, different between the, the Percheron and the miniature horse and uh, really was responsible for a significant difference in height, especially when you examine just the pony. So that that was published a while back and was some of the, the sort of low-hanging, easy things to do. But one of the things we did differently in this study is that we focused especially on differences not at the single base pair level, but at the arrangement of the order of genes. And one of the things we don't realize sometimes is we always think, well, you know, if you flip around a piece of the genome, it's got to be terrible. It's got to be bad. But um, what we really highlighted in this study is that there are many, many thousands of places in the genome where the sequence is exactly the same, but the order has changed. And that order can have very interesting impacts, but it's difficult to, to study. It's like we're nearsighted. We, we can't see the forest for the trees. And the, the shining example of that is uh, the Tobiano allele, which is something I worked on many years ago. But when we studied Tobiano and we wanted to find the genetic cause for that, we were really motivated because paint horse breeders love Tobiano. And we knew it had to be very close in this region on chromosome three, and they'd like to have a test. So uh, when we looked, we discovered that almost a third of that particular chromosome had been flipped around backwards and was just changed in, in order. And that change of order creates this disruption of gene regulatory sequences, resulting in that fantastic white spotting pattern. So 
this paper was our opportunity to really showcase the rich diversity that's in the genome in the, the structure of it and the arrangement of it and how, you know, really as geneticists, when we're going through to understand why a horse has this particular trait or why they're tall or small or why they're evil, you know, we have <laughs> to remember not just to look at the sequence, but to look at the gene order too. I think that's what gets me excited. And um, I think that it was such an enormous task that we, we didn't focus too much of it, of the paper on that idea, but it was, it's something that um, I think will prove to be a, a resource when we go to do future research studies. Because now we've cataloged a lot of those and we can go to that map and say, oh, look at that, that's Shakuri. He's got a, a duplication here. We better, better focus in. So if people want to learn more or contact you or get a hold of the, the, the school, where can they go to learn more about what you do? <laughs> well, um, it's easy enough to go to our website. That's equinegenetics.org, all one word, usequinegenetics.org. And you can email us at equinegenetics at ifas, I-F-A-S dot U-F-L dot E-D-U. Um, and you can always look me up as a faculty member at the University of Florida and contact me that way. And if you get a hold of any of our extension personnel here in the state of Florida, most of them know we only have one geneticist who works on horses. So they can find me easily enough as well. And they're a fantastic resource, too. They can answer some of your questions and have some of our, our, our documents to, to help to explain this to the horse owner. Basic question for you. I had a Mustang DNA tested and to get the genetics of him. And I mean, it, it was a Texas A&M, I believe. And it was like $35. Do y'all do that too? Well, at the University of Florida, we're focused strictly on research. We do sometimes do some studies on ancestry of horses. We've got one just about to come into print now. But there are other groups who have expanded the offerings, and they now can provide more in-depth ancestry testing. So Texas okay. does a fantastic job using a panel of markers that's about 20-odd in size. But with the cost of technologies coming down, there's other groups now like Adelon who are offering more comprehensive ancestry services as well. It's, it's nice because with more markers, you can reach farther back into history and understand a little bit more about the basic type of your horse. You know, we think of hot bloods and cold bloods, and we know that quarter horses and mustangs are really a melting pot of horse ancestries, just like most of our, our U.S. folk are a melting pot. So you get to kind of pick that apart. It's not a breed test because, honestly, in horses, Breeds are often more about politics than they are about biology. Oh, guys, I'm going to um, have to break this party up. Uh, We've uh, run out of time. Dr. Brooks, thank you so much. <laughs> we, I could talk to you for an hour, so Glenn's being mean. Um, <laughs> Dr. Brooks, on another day. On, on another, another day. day. Perfect. Dr. Brooks, thank you so much. And uh, again, it's the University of Florida Brooks Equine Genetics Lab. And they even have That's swag right, there. You thanks. can go check that out, too. They have some very funny shirts and stuff that are all about equine genetics. UFEquineGenetics.org. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Brooks. Thank you. Take care. Sorry to interrupt your party. Uh, This health segment was brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Now in the third season, each show highlights some of the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given to help fuel their performances. Episodes this year include training Hollywood movie horses, therapy horses helping veterans, and an inside look at the traditional charro horsemanship. That episode just came out. It's all part of Purina's full-reign documentary series 
series, go to PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see all the films, interviews, and podcasts. Next up, we have another one of our terrific listeners on our hit parade today. And we are going to Juliana Mize, and we're going to give her a call right now. And I know she's waiting for us because she just Facebook messaged me, so... That was fascinating. You know what I've determined with our first two guests? Um, We really don't know how to do anything. (laughs) These people are way smarter than us. Yeah, that's true. I mean, would you trust me to throw dynamite out of a helicopter or to do gene mapping on a horse? No. No. Glenn, there's not much I would trust you to do. Oh, that's true. Just being honest. (laughs) That's true. There's not much I would trust me to do. All right, we're going to give... Juliana, who is from Alabama, a call. Juliana from Alabama. Juliana from Alabama. Hello. Hi, Juliana. How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you guys? Good. You can't just terrific. call her Juliana. She's Juliana from Alabama, Glenn. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we were hoping you'd have the accent. It sounds like you do. Uh, I'm looking at the picture you sent us. <laughs> Uh, which which is of you holding a horse that's front legs are up on a podium and uh, it, it looks like a giraffe. So uh, obviously a clip job that was uh, yeah. very interestingly done. So that's my uh, buckskin. He has a real um, accurate name of Buck. But anyway, <laughs> we took him to a <laughs> um, we took him to a Halloween costume uh, obstacle course. And it's actually finger paint that we painted them, so it's not a clip job. <laughs> That's amazing. It looks like a clip job. So um, I just want to point out that th- this is something that I've believed for a very long time. And, uh, Juliana, that is that all quarter horses are named after their color. So, like, if you go into a quarter horse <laughs> training barn, they're like, there's Buck. That's brownie. That's black. Yeah. There's yellow. There's goldie. Yeah, all, always, 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 always. <laughs> did you name Buck or did he come that way? No, his registered name is actually King Buck, and he acts like he is King Buck. Darn it, we're losing there again. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so can you hear me? Yeah. Oh uh, no. Yeah, we're we have a terrible connection today with you. Uh, so you're also an inventor. So we have three of those on the show today, and and following suit with all our previous guests. Jamie, she just graduated with a a doctorate in nurse anesthesia. Yeah, I'm Dr. Juliana from Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Juliana from Alabama. I love it. Um, now, the reason we do call you Juliana from Alabama is because you submit all your really bad ads that way. And that is how I know you. But I didn't know you were like a doctor, too. Good job. Uh, it's so weird. It doesn't feel real. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just graduated with that, and I still have to take my board. So I've just been home studying away for that. I didn't know you could get a doctorate as a nurse doctorate. There's very little that you know. (laughs) (laughs) Did did you know you could get a nurse doctorate? (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, our practitioners can get a lot of it's masters, but you can get a doctorate as a nurse practitioner, too. Well, congratulations. That's terrific. Uh, You know, unfortunately, our connection is really bad with you, and we're losing uh, half a sentences at a time. Um, So, oh, I hate that. I'm sorry. That's okay. Let me see if we can get through the rapid fire questions, and then we're going to have you back another time because I want to know more. Okay. Uh, And we'll get a better connection. We'll figure out how to maybe get you on your computer or something. But uh, so, rapid fire questions your favorite food? 
fajitas. <laughs> Good one. Uh, least favorite food? Uh, I am not a true southerner. I hate collard greens. <laughs> Yay! I'm, I'm with you. Uh, so your favorite professional equestrian has to be an eventer, I assume? Yeah. Um, oh. Harriot oh. suits. I we totally lost what that was. I think we're just going to have to say goodbye because we're not we're not catching whole sentences. So, uh, Wait, what's your favorite thing about horses in the morning? I want to know. Uh, you're my horse family now. Aww. Yay! Well, Love you're our doctor answers. friend. I've kept my. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, thank you. We appreciate you trying here today. Love you, mean it. Wow, that's that was just, a terrible connection. <laughs> that's Alabama. Yeah. You, you can edit that and put that together somehow. <laughs> she was in very uh, rural Alabama, that's for sure. All right. all right, let's hope we go to Proval, Utah, and it is a better connection. Because every month on the first Wednesday of the month, we have a Black Rains magazine that helps us out with a terrific guest. Uh, we've been doing this for quite a while now, and the guests are always super fascinating. And today we have a 14-year-old, and we're going to try and get her on the line now. Pleased to welcome to the show Ariana Lawson. Ariana is our Black Rains magazine spotlight writer of the month. Uh, Ariana, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where in the world are you, starting with that? Hi. Okay. Um, so I live in Provo, Utah. Um, yeah, Provo, Utah. I've lived here my whole life. Uh, yeah, I've never moved. How old are you? I'm 14. 14 years old. And I was reading a little bit about you and it, it seems like you're the typical horse girl where we're, when we're, we're born, we want horses. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So um, you started riding when you were four years old? Yeah. I started riding at two when I was in my mom's saddle and then I kind of just, I, I just adapted to that, I guess. And um, started riding by myself at four and then started jumping when I was six. Amazing. <laughs> well, what I'm dying to know about is you, I am a, a, a an eventer and I also am a Mustang owner. So, and I evented my Mustang. You also event your Mustang. Tell us about Jet. I do. Um, so I've had, Jet is my first horse. I've had him for a year now. Um, yeah, a year this month. Um, I got, I don't know. I wasn't a huge Mustang fan, I guess, after a few bad experiences that I had with one, um, that hadn't been ridden over like five years. So I, that wasn't a fair, um, uh, thing to have against Mustangs. But, um, after I got Jet, I kind of, I fell in love with them and I started, uh, venting Jet this year, um, which has definitely been a fun experience. It's been really interesting with all the typical stereotypes of Mustangs and proving them wrong. And um, Jet especially, he doesn't look like a Mustang. So we'll have people come up to us all the time and ask him what kind of horse that he is until they see his brand. Um, yeah, and he's the, he's just been my best friend since then. And it's been an amazing experience with him. Always takes care of me. Where did you get him? Uh, Idaho. We found him. Someone reached out to us and we went, we drove. My mom took me to Idaho 
to see him that day. Someone texted us. It was a school night. And just on a whim, we decided to go to Idaho because we felt he was the one. Did you take when you went to Idaho from Utah? You took your trailer, didn't you? And actually, no, we were just, it was in my grandma's car and we we're on the way heading home. And this woman messaged us and is like, I think I have the perfect horse for you. And uh, he was. And we drove to Idaho, stayed the night, and went in the morning and saw him. That is awesome. I, I, I always think that, like, when I see a horse, I'm like, this is the one. Hook up the trailer. <laughs> so at least <laughs> yeah. your mom's a little more responsible than I am. But there's something really <laughs> unique about Jet. As a Mustang owner, I had a 16-hand Mustang. But whatever. He, like, beats that, hands down. Is he really 16-3? Yeah, 16-3, 17 hands. He's uh, he's a big boy, um, which is one of my favorite things about him, too. I love big horses. Now, wh- do you know anything about where he came from uh, and wh- what area of the world he was uh, born in? Uh, yeah, so he was in Oahe, I- Oahe Idaho, um, which, yeah. And so the people that had him before me, he's had three owners, including me. Um, they had him, they got him as a yearling and according to Bill, and they kind of just trained him and he was a stallion for actually seven, eight years and they bred him and he has a few hunting babies. Wow. Breeding yeah, must be sensible. Um, <laughs> well, that's amazing that you were able to get your hands on him and take him up. At what level are you guys riding? Right now. Um, he, uh, Novice. 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 Okay. Sorry, I have that problem. <laughs> um, no yeah, worries. and I'm hoping to take him uh, at least to preliminary, and I think we can, but um, yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. I think that's well, cool. And you also do something, and I wanted to mention this because next week we're having Equestrian Artists Week here on the show, and you also run your own business called Paul's Pet photography uh so you're an equestrian artist too yeah yeah i am um yeah it's uh i've i've always loved animals and my mom's a professional photographer and she kind of just taught me there was a photography and um as much as i love photographing humans um uh, uh dogs horses goats snakes sometimes they're they're my favorite to photograph you can always just capture their personality that's very cool you know i i wish everybody wants to be a photographer it's so cool that you had a mom that could actually teach you how to do it properly <laughs> so, yeah, yeah she's the best she helps me with a lot yeah that's that's hard and you actually have a instagram page too right people can follow you yeah um it's called blue jet and it's just um blue underscore jet two t's i love what i read too and what one of the things you sent to us you said there are not many black eventers in the in the world and you're correct about that you really want to set an example i think that's really cool what you're doing to set an example and and just try and break that barrier a little bit right yeah exactly it's when um when i tell people i'm in a question they they don't expect it and you know they're like oh really you own horses and it's just kind of breaking the typical stereotype and uh since then and just getting out there i've met maybe one other black equestrian mm. do you th- what what do you how do you think 
how do you think you overcome that? Do you know what I'm? Do you know what I mean? I, I think so. I think honestly, um, it's just I it, getting to know more people out there. For me, it's just that knowing there's other people out there and that there's other people as you know or that are successful in the equestrian world that are black. Um, I met this woman the other day. She is um, SEI level dressage, and she was just black, and it was just amazing to me how far she made it up there too and just you know an example to me and i want to be that example to other people do you try and talk your your friends into doing horses or or they all think you're just nuts and smell bad um all the time um yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm a horse girl at school uh i'll invite people at the barn to try riding um especially kids who are having a hard time it's just i you know getting them out there um, my mom does the same. We try to get all of our friends into riding and, you know, the ones that are having a hard time with life, we get them into riding, try to get, try to get them into riding too. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm definitely the whole horse girl at school. <laughs> well, that's very cool. Very, yeah, very I, cool. I don't know anything about what that's like. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, Ariana, thank you so much for joining us. And again, you guys can follow Ariana at, at blue underscore jet with two T's and uh, she's on Instagram and your photographs are beautiful and your business is called pause P a W Z pet photography. And that's on Facebook as well. And I love that you're, you know, basically you're doing the photographs to pay board and to, to, I'm proud of you girl. That's awesome. And way to take care of your stuff. And and you're doing an awesome job. Girls like you make me feel good about the future. (laughs) Thank you, Jamie. Thank you a bunch. And thank you also to Black Rains Magazine at blackrains.com for setting it all up. We really appreciate their support and, and helping get it done as well. Have have a great day and be safe, okay? Give Jed a kiss mm-hmm, for us. For me. I will. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. What a cool sweet. bunch of people we had on the show today. I mean... I- it's just a, and by the way, uh, auditors hang on because Jamie has a listener question she has to get to in the post show. But yeah, I mean, we, we went from, if you take a look at what we went, what, the variety we had on today. So let's review. We had okay, review for us. What did you learn today? Glenn? We had a, a, a woman who blows up avalanches and throws dynamite out of helicopters. That's pretty that cool. That listens to us. That listens to us. We had Dr. Samantha Brooks, who has a freaking genetics lab named after her at one of the pro- most prominent universities in the world. Um, we had uh, Juliana, who unfortunately had a terrible connection, but she's Alabama born and raised and has a giraffe for a horse, literally. You can check out the pictures in the show notes and today. she's a, got a doctorate. Yeah, she's got a doctorate in nursing. And then we had she one of the up-and-coming stars in in Utah in the eventing world, who, by the way, was one of the most well-spoken 14-year-olds that we've ever had on the yeah. show today. That was really cool. We had some really cool guests on the show. I wish the connections was better, and we're going to just have to figure that out. Uh, but Skype has—we use Skype, and it's been getting worse uh, since since the uh, pandemic. Actually, Skype has gone downhill. I don't know if so many people are using it. What the problem is, but we're just going to have to work on that. But uh, and then you're in your brand new studio. Oh my gosh, this has been so fun. I'm de- it's definitely weird because everything is kind of backwards, and so I'm going to have to make some adjustments, but yes, I'm but your so view, thrilled. I mean, you had a view of the wall, 
and the tiny little old window and things in the Do old house. Do you know house. what my 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 right side and my left side in the other place were? They weren't walls, Glenn. I had a fancy. I had bookshelves, and on the bookshelves were my shoes. <laughs> 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 now t- look to your right and tell everybody what you see right now out of your. I have double doors that um, I'm upstairs and I had a balcony put on this. So it's like an overview of down into the property and it's gorgeous. I'm Do you so see happy. horses now from your vin- window? Can you see the horses? Oh, no, no, no. You know why I can't see any horses? Because they're standing by the barn pissed that they're not in for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> They haven't figured out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They get fed at a different time. <laughs> Chad's home. I assumed he'd be out feeding them already. Like, yeah, they're being. No, I can't see anything. No, because they're, they're standing by the barn, banging on the doors to get in. <laughs> well, Scooter's doing the same thing, and he's had breakfast, and he's still standing out there going, oh, why isn't there more? So, I need yeah. more food. I'm so <laughs> bored and starving to death. Tomorrow is the driving radio show. And as I mentioned, live at five today, we're having the AQHA on to talk about what's going to happen reopening all of their various shows around the world. So that's coming up today at five and then driving tomorrow. And then really bad ads. Get your really bad ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. We have a lot of new people sending in ads. Just look on Craigslist. Just look on uh, Facebook and the pages that still aren't allowed, but they still post horses for sale on. And send us the really crappy ones, and we'll have fun with them on Friday. And you get entered to win over $500 in prizes now. So that's really cool, too. Thank you to StatelineTac.com and Purina Mills, the Horse Nutrition Podcast, for their sponsorship today. Hang on, auditors. We'll be back uh, right after this with some... Some training tips from Jamie for a listener. Spay, neuter, yelled, everybody. 